It's, it's Gentleman Jack. Jack. Crack. Crack. Cue that fucking jaunty music. Nineteenth century groveling, groveling, groveling. Good lord. There is a note about when they're taking off that Eugenie looks pained because she doesn't know how she's managed to offend Thomas Beach so quickly. And girl, there is no possible way. It's all thanks to Corningly. And so here is the deleted line that goes into a little more exploration about what fuck shit Corningly was on about. Mm. So after Hemingway's like, it doesn't matter what she tries, huh? They have Corningly as responding. Well, I may have been indiscreet. I may have told him a little cautionary tale. And then it continues. That's where we stop in the show. But it says about her indiscretion with his predecessor who he's convinced is haunting the carriage. So, <laughs> so I think that's what might have spooked him. So I'm like, okay, that makes more sense. So we understand what he spooked by. The ghost. Okay. The ghost of George Playforth. Who's like, don't sleep with my Eugenie in the gig. I took one life already. Oh, wait, Henry's not dead. My yeah, bad. Henry's not, Henry's not dead. And so the note says that Hemingway's impressed. Yep, that's good. That's funny. And emerges briskly from the house and yada, yada, yada. So I will contend that it is funny, Sally, when you add the ghost. It's not funny when you take out the ghost. That right, just because, looks like slut shaming and meanness right, and mean girl attitudes. context. Like we were all trying to figure out what was going yeah, on. Yeah, what's, what's happening? So if that shit is in the British version, I'm going to be mad because why can't we understand what's happening here? I mean, we were all out of the loop. And mm-hmm. and sad for I mean I'm I'm just always gonna be sad for Eugenie but like I was Eugenie has a fucked up life right now and I was just I was angry accordingly I I was angry accordingly because Courtney was one of my faves and I was like wow accordingly we being as petty good lord and so the last sentiment of this whole entire scene is right in line with what we saw with Aunt Anne it's like oh <laughs> like leaving her she, lover at port she's she so was, upset. Right. And it says that the carriage pulls out of the yard. Aunt Anne's emotional. Will she live to ever see her beloved Anne again? I don't like Damn, that Sally. That Damn, Sally. Intense. Really, Sally? That note is too much. And from there, of course, we go to our beloved Anne Walker, who is in the Dolphins alone in some gay as fuck plaid in Scotland. And the note, it says for what she's doing, besides children, children, bullshit. Oh, and contrast the elegant room with whatever the fuck is happening at Shibden. Because Sally consistently does that. I was like, Sally, damn. Shibden is pretty fucking fly. But she's like, look at regular ass, old ass, ancient ass Shibden. And look at Mariana Lawton, sprawling <laughs> estate. Look at Elizabeth Sutherland, sprawling estate. Back to Shibden. Right. <laughs> <Fucking. like. laughs> oh my gosh. That's so mean. It is. But I guess in relation to like the story and how Ann Lister kind of sees it sometimes, it's hilarious. And so there's a note that says, as we get closer to Ann Walker, we see that she's drawing from memory a portrait of Ann Lister. It's very competent. It's charming. It's a really good chart. It's very competent and it's clearly drawn with love. The face of a kind, clever, charming, capable human being. Oh. No, it was really good. I like that. And it's before it gets like colorized and stuff. <laughs> I mean, not that. It matters. That no, no, sorry. I details. was reading a note about Elizabeth. That's what made me laugh because it's like, just then Elizabeth comes in, preceded by Sackville banging his tin drum uh-huh. and carrying the baby, which is at the greedy for milk stage of being almost permanently clamped <laughs> to Elizabeth's breast. There's another toddler, a girl floating about too, who Elizabeth is controlling after. <laughs> just Elizabeth flooded with children. Elizabeth yes. gets no time. Elizabeth, where's Elizabeth's lady maid? Can't they afford a lady maid? Don't she got Ann Walker money? She got Walker money. Where's she her does. lady maid? Where's her people? Where's her Help. Her money. Where's her Mary Poppins? Went towards the captain's grand oh, debt. Oh God! Don't tell me this. Her money went towards the captain's grand debt. I am convinced. 
Because, right, she is living, like, I don't want to say a pauper's life, but she deserves better for what she's worth. So, there's that. And then when she was like, oh, come see your aunt. (laughs) <laughs> come see your aunt and then the little girl runs off and i'm like oh god oh kids and then this one's probably teething on her teeth like just there's just no joy like here. i said that's that's um <laughs> that's all bad news bears i just feel like i'm really good with babies in general because around the time like there's been like three times in my life that just like more than five women in my life have all been pregnant and had babies at the same time you know it was just a collective ridiculousness showers and parties and birthdays and who's gonna be whose flower girl and ring bearer because we were all born the same shit hashtag umbrella academy <laughs> I haven't watched that yet, but I'm going to take your word for it. I'm going to take your word for it. That's the one with... um, There was a phenomenon where a bunch of kids were birthed. Like this random... Women who weren't even pregnant... Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait Wait a goddamn second. That's not how the patriarchy is supposed to work. See, I don't like what you just said. (laughs) Without getting pregnant? Women who were not even pregnant. See, that's the type of shit that'll fuck me up. Right. Like, you're just fuck me minding up your own up. business. I can't. All of a sudden, you got a hope nah, in babe. your stomach. No, 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 no. That's like runaways right now. Right. And then, I can't do and that. And then you give birth to hope. And all of these people gave birth to hope. And then, Wait. What? I said hope. <laughs> no, I heard you. I'm just, oh, okay. I'm confused. I'm like, I'm trying to make it make sense in my head, but it's not happening. Isn't Ellen Page in that damn show? Lord, it's... it's Along with Robert Sheehan, like, from The right. Misfits. Right, oh, yeah. Um... Excuse me. And I want to watch it because I like kids them. But... Born on that day had powers, which Ooh. is why they became a group Where are my of powers? heroes that were adopted by like this person who was affluent and had the money to allow them to flex. Right, right. In their places. Oh, it, it's a, a weird thing because then there's this kid who's obsessed with them who was also born on the same day as them, but he was naturally conceived and was naturally born and therefore not. Oh, so he a regular bitch. The powers. Right. This is like Gattaca. This is like Gattaca. Do you remember Gattaca with uh, Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman? Yes. Wait, but was right. that vampires? Not, no. Okay, so you're thinking of the other Ethan Hawke film where he played vampires, but that's like 10 years after the fact. Uh, oh, okay. So this Ethan Hawke, I want to say is when he was still with Uma Thurman and they were younger, but the concept was a perfect reality, perfect society where we are engineering babies. We are deciding oh, what we're right. going to take picking out. The sex, the we're color. picking the so, eye. Right, yes. we're, we're making sure you have 20, 20 vision. Yes. And so the norm, not the normal, but the people who were choosing to have babies of love, as they described it, like this is a baby conceived through passion. Here it is. These would be the babies that would actually be worse off in society because they're going to have all their flaws, not perfect vision, maybe some sort of syndrome, maybe they're fucking anemic who fucking knows. And so Ethan Hawke's character is that person who is just a normal guy that now this means shit and it means you can go nowhere in life and be a fucking janitor because you're a loser where his brother i believe if i'm remembering that correctly had some some engineering process so he's been the one that always was expected to be better to be stronger to be more capable and there's a moment in the film where they always used to swim out i think to the buoy or whatever and the older brother would always win I don't know if he was older. Maybe he was. Well, the brother would always win and Ethan Hawke would not. But it was like that little giant's like one time, one time where he beats him. And that's something that he kind of uses for himself as an adult. And and when we get into the movie and Jude Law is there, Jude Law is basically a derelict, but he's someone with that perfect background. I'm an astronaut. I got all the intelligence. I got the good looks. I got the perfect genes. But I hate this job because I got an STD because I'm too busy fucking around like a goddamn asshole not wearing protection. So you want to take my life? How a pro pro Jude Law 
That's all I'm oh, gonna say. Wow. How appropriate. And then um to be this derelict and then like to reprise your role as a derelict in Captain Whoa. Marvel. It's like, oh, it's just just Oh shit. He was such a dick in Captain Marvel. <laughs> okay. He really was. So I mean, like you know your life. Beat me on your own. <laughs> Beat me God. without your powers. It's <laughs> like, like, no, punch that bitch right, with a blast. Why, who's, why, would, why, would I, why are you why am I letting you talk? Just Yes, but that was the crux of the film is that he masquerades as Jude Law because he loves science. He wants to go into space, and this is his opportunity to prove that it's not about the design of your body, but about your intellect, your passion, whatever. And so he's able to pass for a while, but he has to go through all these things like contacts, whatever, whatever, whatever. Eventually gets his ass to space. And it's like it would upend the whole idea of the system to say this is the hierarchy we've created with genetics if this regular ass person was able to actually do these tests and pass these things and go into space and whatever. So that's what I made me think of like the concept of the perfect, but is the perfect ever really perfect? No, of course not. Right. Well, we know this. And then uh, some other media that I've read where it was like, you know, there are certain scientists out there who are so passionate, they, they would rather destroy someone before they that person couldn't say that they've attained perfection because a perfection would mark the end of the development process. And sure, but it would mark the end of evolution. <laughs> right. If everything was done, where's there to go? Right. So it's like, well, since you're perfect, you can die because you're done, right? You're, oh. it, that was his Murder. John. That was his John. Well, it was like, well, since, you know, since you've reached the end and I have ways to go that will be above and beyond your, I guess, imaginings and your borders of whatever perfection means to you. I right. Will, I will outlive those I will out expand those expectations. You're done. You don't need. You don't even need to see me prosper. You're. Let me keep you so content with your being done that I will just end you right here at your perfect stage. There's the no need to go on anymore. <laughs> right. Oh gosh, God. I don't know why that horrific video you sent me just jumped into my mind. It's probably because Mariana scenes are coming up, and I'm subconsciously trying to not go there. But you guys, the Terrence had the goddamn nerves. Yeah, those videos. Because he sent me these videos, you guys, of a, uh, like, if you've heard me speak, you probably know that certain things are probably just going to get really intense reactions from me, like meninists, like incels. And if you don't know what that is, God bless Thank you. Thank God. Right. And exactly. stay, stay in the stay light. Dirt, yeah. Because to know about it is to be in the dark. And he sent me this motherfucking video. And I don't even know. I think I made it like two minutes before I was pacing and ready to go to the gym to punch a bag. Because what was it that he said about... You have to control women lovingly. I was, I, I was done. Oh my god! I was like, why am I watching this? Why? And then so I go in the chat and I'm like, I'm. I, no, you said that shit to me, and I'm like, I don't make sense. I'm irrational because I see that dude on TV talking about how women are always the weaker sex, and my fucking ass is like cage match right now. <laughs> like I don't make sense. I don't make sense. I'm like, Candace, we're trying to have, we're trying to have an intellectual discussion with these meninists about whether or not. There's validity to what they say. And I'd be like, no, we can prove right now. Let me take this motherfucker right here. I would be flying on the wind and wings of all the queers that came before me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. misandrists and my ancestors. And I would win. But also you saw what he looked like. And it's always dudes that look like that that have the <sighs> most amount of smoke for women that are the hugest misogynists. And like, I just really think women need to be controlled. I don't think women are that smart. I don't think women should play sports. <laughs> Let me, uh, oof. Uh, if you guys want to send in some hate mail to Terrence for sending me that incel video and sending me into a rage <laughs> midday, feel free to do so. Uh, don't go looking for the video, but it's the don't Jubilee do it. <laughs> Common Ground Don't even, video. Don't even promote their bullshit. I mean, I don't really want to, but someone should call them out on whatever it is that they're doing. They're not doing they anything. They might be making money off of this, which is no, why. No, I think they are, which is right. what's fucked up. I think they are, which so is So they're getting up. these groups that are sitting across from each other. So an example would be like... Uh, 
a cop apologist and law enforcement and then like um you know advocates for like the black lives matter movement and it's like it's three chairs and three chairs and it's like can they find common ground <laughs> and, and then which of these statements no. speak speaks towards oh my god now what they got i wrong? just don't know how you find meninists like i'm every time i hear a man out his mouth in real life in this reality in this realm say i am a meninist I think feminists are bigoted. I think, like, I, just the whole concept, it's like the flat earth. I just have a hard time grasping onto how it's real. That's because first of all. the the root and the reason why they even exist or are doing anything is because they're piggybacking off of the feminist movement. These losers. They and can't even come up with their own term. Right. We're meninists. <laughs> Men <laughs> are being oppressed. It's like what I was talking we married a rot back. I don't know why I go into some sort of like hillbilly I mean, Disney voice from the 60s, but that's what I think of when I think of the inshows in America. Uh, what are we going to do with the men? The men are being oppressed. Terrence, they're being oppressed and we got to stop the oppression. Guys, I'm sorry for that accent. It's a really, really bad accent. Women, but it's again, what are you going to do without us? Touch yourselves? Like, I just. Yes, <laughs> yes Your Honor. Yes. Were we just listening to a tweet? <laughs> Oops, there goes my, my shirt up over my head. Oh my. <laughs> right. So, yes, me. And that's healthy self love because not only are you loving yourself in the physical, you're loving yourself in the metaphysical. You're like, look at me. I'm awesome. Whitney Houston said, <laughs> learning to love yourself is the greatest <laughs> love of all. That's what she said. And she meant that in a lot of ways. I didn't realize that. No, that's a really great song. I didn't song. realize that. I always that. tear up when I when I see a certain live performance of Whitney singing that song. Mm. No, because that, that, that's a deep sigh I do when I think about my fave, Whitney, and then I think about her life ending, and then I think about her child. It just takes me into the dolefuls. And I'm like, let me raise myself out of the dolefuls to go back to Gentleman Jack. But we're right into an uh, Mariana scene, so I don't... Right, it's I like... Don't, um, as you can see, I keep trying to interject different thoughts. <laughs> I know, I know. This is what keeps happening. I mean, this is a whole episode seven. So thankfully for you guys, episode eight will like flow <laughs> a little yeah. better. We will not be tap dancing for fucking 20 minutes about how we don't want to talk about how Mariana upsets us and hurts our feelings. But she does. And ugh. so, you know, in the next scene that comes up in this motherfucking script, it's it's Charles and Anne and Mariana, they're all together. Anne has drawn it into the building where they are. And Anne finds out, of course, that the child is dead. The Lawton heir is dead and all is lost for Mariana. There's a song that was playing in my head when they were describing what happened. And I don't know if you used to watch all the like Charles Jones or like Looney Tunes Especially when it's a factory setting, because then it's like, oh yeah, yeah, So it's like, what happened? It's like, oh, he got his arm caught in the the gear. Oh man! Also, that that score you just did was very, very muchly. Honey, I shrunk the kids. Oh, probably there too. Yeah, yeah, it's there. It's there. At the end of the film, when they're eating all the supersized food, and he's like. I get it. French, French class. class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mind you, I was so young. I was like, 
You're like, I don't get it. Right. (laughs) No, but then you get to the age where you're just like him, where you're like, I get it. (sighs) Fucking French class. Okay. So, sure. So what's interesting is that Sally was, she was into this thing, clearly, before she decided there wasn't enough time or what other reason she had. But the scene opens with a note saying that Charles has a reluctant regard for Anne, parentheses, ever since she persuaded Mariana to go back to him when she left him for her seven years ago. Close parentheses. They will never be great friends and they behave like a pair of repellent magnets skirting around one another whenever they're forced into any kind of proximity. But nowadays, they make a point of not being disagreeable to one another just to show what grown-ups they are. Well, I appreciate, right, that they have the, you know, um, the propriety that they can sort of execute, understanding that, you know, there was a bridge and there is water, but at the same time, they're they're familiar. So it's, it's, you know, they're they're polite for polite polite sake. It's propriety. This is English society. Yes, right. I I, I can appreciate Motherfucking that. propriety everywhere you go. I mean, it's not like he's a, a, a Rawson. You know, like, like it's... I mean, but he is an old <laughs> I mean, man. Old yes. wrinkly man. <laughs> forcing himself <laughs> with his STIs onto <sighs> Mariana, which... Ooh. I mean, we find her weeping in the scene, and it's weird. Because... Oh, well, yeah, the, note, the notes <laughs> are actually funny for that because, for one... For that note, it says she can't quite complete the story. It's too disturbing. Mm. <laughs> and there's also a note about how they've definitely been fighting about it, which we totally get the impression they've been fighting mm-hmm. this entire time. It does note that Charles finds Anne's words sincere, which is hilarious because he definitely totally finds Mariana insincere the entire time. He's like, look at your friend. Look at your lesbian lover. She's sincere about her condolences. Well, look at you, Mariana. Should I, should I give the condolences from you as well? Should I? Shall I? Do you care? She's like, Charles, would you just get the fuck out? I already said give my condolences to the matter. The does say that Mariana is genuinely upset by this because she's crying. But again, my take that I'm choosing to go with is because the boy is dead and that's the heir. Not because the boy is potentially going to the bad place. Not because the boy has had his life cut short, but because the boy is no longer the heir that she thought for sure would take care of her. Yeah, I could see that. I don't believe I see this in the scene. I feel like I checked and maybe the gin is causing me to blank. But in one of the actions for the scene says that Mariana squeezes Anne's hand back tenderly. I don't remember her getting Anne's hand. Not while Charles is there. Right. So in this, so this is actually very changed. So at the end, I see here that she gives Mariana's hand a gentle kiss. So I think that's an appropriate change because let's 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 keep it 100. If Anne and Mariana were seeing each other, the likelihood they were going to have a kiss that night or the very next night or the next morning was very high. It's what they did. It's why they got together was not to just fucking knit and talk about, I don't know, what happens in Halifax. Uh, berries. I, I don't think berries are in Halifax, but you know, just regular, regular shit. They're there to get on the Amoroso and get an O. And we know unless we take into account Mariana's potential fictional lovers that she could have had over the years, Mariana's not catching an O unless she's incurring a goddamn cross for herself. That's it. Mariana's got nothing. And so she needs she needs help. And also, oh, <laughs> I think um, you would have preferred or you would not have preferred this scene versus the leg that you got. But they have they have I'm the morning afraid. after. I'm afraid. They, <laughs> the next morning grubbles, the makeup grubbles. It says next morning early. Mariana's in bed with Anne. Anne has her arms around Mariana, and it's obvious that they've been very intimate with one another and had a big conversation. So no Mm-mm. big conversation like we thought could be in here, but still implied that they'd had a big conversation. And again, deep conversations after the O, like girls, 
Time management. But this, I, I'm going to give this, or rather, I'm going to attribute these changes to, potentially, for right now, the sex coordinator. Which, whichever jaunty queer was on set and was like, actually, yeah, these girls are about to grubble. So she's going to kiss a strand of lips, not the hand, the fuck propriety. She has known this hell for 20 years. She has synced all the things. So there's no need for propriety between Mariana and Anne. So of interest would be when Anne is talking about how she was lonely and kind of trails off. It says that she's sad. And Mariana asks, Freddie, are you crying? And Anne Lister says, no, it has in parentheses. Yes, she is. Which, of course, we could see. We, we could see, girl. Could see. But thanks, Sally. And then when they have Anne Lister giving her lines, two lines later, in parentheses, it has, she is crying, whether she likes it or not. So they, they're like, it's a full out sob. There is no hiding what's happening here. This is just what's really happening. And when Anne Lister says to Mariana, I asked her to marry me. In parentheses, we see, this strikes Mariana. <laughs> oh, hell yeah, it did. And then that's when she goes, but Freddie, I, I think it's funny how. Right. But even after Mariana does her, but Freddie line, you're married to me, the note says Anne can hardly believe her ears. I mean, honestly. I mean, I can hardly believe my ears. You're married to Charles. I, what? Yes. So the scene continues, as you might expect, with the salty Mariana turned off to her side at the end being like, oh, wow, so I thought the last bitch I had to contend with was Mrs. Barlow. Evidently not. Evidently there's a younger bitch. Because Mrs. Barlow would have been an older bitch. Well, she was an older bitch and she had a child. And Walker is in the opposite of the spectrum. That's not to say that older women aren't attractive. We've covered this content, Captain Dench. But still, for Mariana's ego, her pride, a younger woman, pretty woman, more money. That's going to ring differently than a Mrs. Barlow who is widowed with a child and stuff. Worldly, <laughs> as Anne would say. The note for after Anne Lister tells Eugenie that she's in the rumble with Thomas and Mrs. Lawton's servant. This Eugenie can't resist a stroppy French. <laughs> I mean, and I heard all, it. I mean, well, we heard it I and heard it was it. stroppy. And then it has like, um, Anne can't believe she puts up with her. It might even warrant a what the fuck glance at the camera from Anne. So we did not get that fourth wall break from Anne Lister about anyone other than Mariana, who really deserved it. If she was going to be pissed at any right. woman in that scene, is that Eugenie? Eugenie's just being herself. You hired her. <laughs> she been this way from day one, and whose fault is it? Blame Mariana for recommending the hell to you. I mean, she's the one. Okay. She's the one. I mean, we didn't do that in the show, but we know in, in the diaries, that's how it went down. So there is a note that says Mariana is preoccupied and she's been a bit quiet ever since she found out that Anne had proposed to Miss Walker and that the relationship was much more advanced than she imagined. And of course, that's when she starts with her, perhaps, perhaps you don't fully realize, perhaps the implications, You perhaps you don't get it. I, th I love how these script notes say things like Mariana was like quietly stirring and when i think of she was quietly, quietly stirring I, uh quiet i mean this is almost she was loudly stirring <laughs> loudly with her actions with her eyeballs with her energy and they have a note about the thermometer that says Anne pulls out a comedy big thermometer barometer and flicks it <laughs> so, flicks so it. it thuds on the sally was right in this fucking the... line and she was like give me the biggest fucking thermometer you guys can motherfucking get me out of wood i need it i need it to be comedy big comedy big and you made jokes about it being phallic and all that stuff and well it's it's huge yes it's a giant ass thermometer yes to match her jaunt so the rest of that scene continues as we saw it as far as i can tell the script of course does continue into the deleted scene that we were denied in the u.s and i had to laugh at this script note because after the thermometer banter and Anne gives herself a moment to calm down, she's like, so are you saying you want to come and live with me? You shipped in? Like, is that what we doing? Is that what you're saying? Like, is this what's happening? And they have Mariana saying yes. And in parentheses, it's like, just for a moment, we think it might happen. 
So does Anne. Her face is just starting to look optimistic when, when Charles dies. And I'm like, right. I wasn't, I wasn't thinking it might happen. Not me. Not me. I was somebody. Tight. I was like, somebody. How dare you hold like, yes, when Charles. I just want to say we are still grubbing on these damn cookies. Amazing. And I don't know what I would be doing with my drunk ass if I did not have these delicious fucking Christmas cookies to nibble on. Oh, I'd be Thank on you. like some sort of Uber Eats. Like who can deliver? I know. Oh my God. I need a Uber Eats gets so much business from us when I'm just like i need a pudding and i'm like i'll pay that jaunty delivery fee because i just need a banana pudding and i'm ridiculous all right so sally definitely lets her feelings be known and the rest of these notes because she has that after mariana has her part where she's like that's what we always said when charles died and now you're here moving miss walker in well not moving her in but you were planning to and then it says and then Anne realizes something else something devastating and it has Anne continuing with oh mary and mariana's like what and the note says, Anne can barely express the disappointment and anger she feels from what she's just realized. And Mariana says again, what, Anne? And Anne Lister replies, you weren't going to come to me when Charles died. You were waiting for your comfortable dependency from poor William. And Ooh. now you won't get that. So it's back to scraping the bottom of the barrel with me, Shipton. See, first off, self-esteem. First off, I have issues with what I am like a hearing. Booze, a booze pour. Right. I'm a I'm a, it was I, loud, y'all. But, I may have been But look poured. at me. I'm emptying out the drum shadow. <laughs> Who's jaunty drinker? I'm just as bad. It's empty. It's empty. We wow. did it. It's gone, bitch. Who? We drank this whole bottle of booze. It, I, it didn't even take the whole season. It was like no. three episodes. Because we didn't drink it the whole time. Like we had other drinks. That's... Wow. I'm going to save this bottle, not only because it's pretty and reminds me of Ann Walker, but as a memento of our absurdities yes. during this coverage. But yes, this uh, that was Woo! my hot take, too. If you see it, boy, <laughs> it's a jaunty sip. I, as you see, I have hot take in red. And that's my hot take for Mariana that we see in the show. Perhaps Mariana thought differently seven years ago for a moment. But my hot take is, is that Mariana wouldn't have left. She wouldn't. That it's no longer anything beyond like the shadow of a promise that makes us feel good sometimes when we're trying to, you know, just be wistful and whimsical and stuff. But yeah. I don't think she I think we were so beyond that. We're so beyond Mariana actually leaving Charles. I had wild oats to sell. But I also want to lock You think she's in. sewing oats? I know you no, think she's sewing oats. I mean, oats. Mariana, I just feel like she's just living life. Like it's... Living la vida loca. She's just living to live. And, you know, There okay. was a girl that she mentioned in a letter to Anne that she says she's going to take botany with. And in my own side fantasy, I'm like, she got a grubble. Yeah. Or flirt. I don't know. Hey, don't at me, guys. Yeah. It's my own thoughts and they can't be proven or disproven. So <laughs> let me have it. Because otherwise, even if you think Mariana's being a fucking bitch, look how many people Ann Lister got up to with the Amorosa. That even if Mariana was being a fucking jackass, doesn't she too deserve a side grubble right. with Ann Lister just jaunting off into whatever petticoat she can get into? I'm just saying, equal opportunity grubbles for Mariana, even though she's a bastard. Because, well, should any woman be denied the grubbles if she wants them? No, that's not how misandry works. I answered that for you because that's the answer. <laughs> so they have Mariana replying after that, of course, saying, I hope you know I think more of you than that. But the note says, but perhaps something in Mariana's apparently calm manner betrays the fact that Anne has hit the nail on the head. Okay. So, so that note so, tells me so that those weren't wasted ponderings by Anne Lister. Yes, she has a comically large thermometer, but you know what? She has a comically large point in what she brought up and it's look like it's looking like she's about to you know restore the value that she sees right in herself 
I mean, that was the beauty. That was the beauty of her connection with Al Walker, where it was like, you know, I'm I'm invincible when I'm with you. Like, that's a Aww. different right. That's a different tier to stand on mm-hmm. in your your queer relationships. It is. It really is. Versus, do you have to go out looking like that? <laughs> like, I mean, horrible. I'd rather not. Oh, yeah. Oh! Yep. Exactly. That was a no. shock. I forgot I, I didn't have no tonic in there. Ooh, okay, Candace. That's what we doing. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. You're fine. I didn't so, expect this. When you, when you think of all that joy without the shame diluting it, it's like the bitters in some levels of alcohol where you can, you know, I liked drinking it better when there were no bitter. So if I have to choose the bitters with you versus... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm the flowery version of the non-bitters that I know that I prefer, right? then maybe I should just call this what this is and go get what I'm here for. Cause this is- the- Or drowned alone until I find what I'm, what is for me because what the fuck? And, ooh, sorry. <laughs> Them vapors hit and I was like, girl, what? Where's the bass music? <laughs> I have problems. <laughs> There's no bass, Candace. Okay. Wait, where was I? I know what I'm looking at. Okay, right. The hot take. Mariana, never leaving Charles. That's the hot take. And then from there, the scene continues as we know it does. And we get some insight into Mariana's dolefuls, how her life has been so very shitty being a queer woman in a relationship she does not want to be in that she feels forced into by the patriarchy and her family. And that Anne can't possibly get it because she doesn't. She's never had to deal with anything like that. And there's even an entry where she like is going into the new year and like there's some note or some dude that I guess was trying to holla. You know, maybe get a little bit of that shipped in estate shit and she is so incensed she's like must burn all evidence that any man <laughs> a little bit of lady true on that shit like i will burn okay. any evidence i was her. hoping that she you know i i decided to venture out east like <laughs> when you burn shit in effigy because you're that mad about the cat call that wasn't even a cat call because it's georgian times so it's a cat call through a letter or some other proprietary type means and she was like nah be no i can't even have the hint of heterosexuality in my study, in my room, in my boudoir. Never. She made it east to Russia, but if she'd made it further east oh, and then shit. uncovered stories about Lady True, hmm, I'd rather like this hey. woman. <laughs> I'd rather hey. like this woman. I, I, I like the cut of her jib. I, th- I think I could... Uh... You know, and I, I just would enjoy another queer person challenging Ann Lister who is just as jaunty and confident in what they can do. Oh, I can please women. All that stuff. But just different. Different politics, different whatever, but still same intelligence. Because just like in my mind, in my fantasy fictional mind, that would be very interesting. And I feel like the closest we kind of get to that are the other queers who seem to have at least a hint of alignment with what would be considered masculine in these times. And maybe by the very nature of walking that path, that's what that leads to. Because I'm thinking of Tib, who tries to call her on her shit and does a couple times and miss pickford who we've not really talked about but she is essentially a woman who through Anne talking to her she gets the sense that she is on the amorosa with another bitch too and she's like oh so like being gay being queer that's like a thing that's not just a me thing that's like a thing thing because you get the idea that she and especially from stuff that she writes that this idea of her being this singularity this singular oddity this super special person who was unlike anyone else is just what she walks with and great because that informed her confidence and her self-esteem for a lot of years by the same time she meets another queer lady she's like nah 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 chill I'll read the entry later because one of my favorite things is basically like where she is doing in my mind what is obvious queer hunting like are you are you are you gets what she feels is confirmation prize in the way that she does but then it's like but you don't think i'm gay right because i'm not i mean have you heard anything have you heard anything have you heard anything have you have you heard anything and then finally miss pickford's like well i did hear something about em and she's like <laughs> you know why that makes no sense let me tell you why it makes no sense because em is married okay and it could be dead because we never get along. So I just want to say to you that while I've read books, while I've seen things, I've heard a few things. I don't I don't 
gay. I don't know. Have I convinced you? <laughs> and so, and Miss Pickford's like, yeah, you have kind of maybe sort of. And I just think that she was like, oh, look at this. Right. This, look at this, this queer. Right. She's so lost. She really, <laughs> she really needs me to believe, or she really needs to believe that I believe that she is not a gay lady. But mm. we both know that we are having this very queer conversation because I am, in fact, a gay lady like you. And um, this is the way we're dealing with it. So things like that about Ann Lister interest me where I just feel like part of it was a lack of self-perception where she was so self-aware of how she presented and what she could do in her charm. But at the same time, you out here dealing with other queers, girl, and you don't even, you don't even see the ridiculousness you're up to. But anyways... After that fucking Mariana shit, of course, we get another scene with Ann Walker and Elizabeth and motherfucking Captain Sutherland. And Sally makes a note to say that it's all a bit tense and joyless. Perfectly stated, Sally. Tense and joyless is how I would describe every scene with Ann Walker in this episode. There's an interesting note about the end of the exchange when Captain Sutherland's basically like, oh, we're going to bring a dude over here and how to do stuff and cajole you into a relationship. And they have Elizabeth looking over to her sister like, hey, girl, remember, um... I need you to do this. And then the ending note says, after Ann Walker's just like, sure, of course, whatever. Captain Sutherland smiles at his wife and Elizabeth smiles at her sister. But Anne gives nothing away. Only we might sense that Anne has more perceived than she's letting on. So it was interesting, I thought. Because that's what they wrote for Ann Walker. And I don't know if I got the impression that she had more perceived. I personally got the impression that she was entirely disinterested. Oh, so did I. But maybe you got up her sleeve. I don't know. I mean, is that that was the great kindness scene? Yes. Yeah, I was like, oh, I see where this is going, dancers, though. But um, <laughs> <laughs> right, so I didn't get the idea that she had something on the on the back end that she was working on. I just got the idea that she was resigned to misery with her droopy sleeves that were no longer thirsty, like still thirsty, but just barely there, barely the vapors holding on. Like, I'm pretty sure a letter's going to eventually come for me. Oh, so, don't so, take me back to how she didn't get no listen, damn letters. But, the, I mean, well, we did Think about how think. quickly she got those fucking, she would get two, three letters a fucking day. Okay. While she was at Crow Nest from fucking Anne, like, oh, hey, thank you for this book. <laughs> Can't wait to see you at dinner. Like, I'm so excited. Running fucking Eugenie and James and everyone else ragged, but they're flirting. Mm-hmm. And now she got to go months and not a single anything. Rude. So we move on from that scene and, okay, so we're automatically back to Anne and Mariana in the sitting room at the Angel Inn in Oxford before they are off in London in the the next and you know this was this 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 was the scene that took us all the way down all the way out lots of yelling lots of fucked up shit triggers whatever and that's the uh, miseries agonies so that scene and the way this starts was interesting because it's less harsh and these are things that oscillations must have been made after the fact in how to deal with the portrayal of Mariana. And it starts with saying, the remains of Anne and Mariana's meal is on a tray. Anne's reading Carter's mechanics and hydrostatics and making notes from it. Mariana was knitting, but can't concentrate on her pattern. So sorry to interrupt, (laughs) but I find it amazing that she's like, oh, so Rolston's building an engine. And here we have Anne Lister reading... Basically an engine magazine where it's like, oh, is this going to be my new fascination? Is this going to be something that I... If you introduce a new subject to Ann Lister and she's not reading 18 books by the end of the week, is it really (laughs) Ann Lister? Right. Is it really Ann Lister? Is it? Is it? So I love it. No, good catch. Good catch. She is reading about mechanics and hydrostatics. And the last sentence was, the tension between the two women is glittering. Tension. Ann Lister's reading about what her competition is doing and seeing if it is worth her medal. Well, you know the silent tension that says we can't fucking talk because you always want to fight, Mariana. And so they actually have her starting out differently and I think less harsh. We'll see what you think. But do you remember her first 
waistline of this oh. thing. <laughs> oh, <no>. Sorry. <laughs> Your eyes just got really big and semi-violent. So like I said, are you going to apologize to me? Right. So this line is, are you not speaking to me now at all then? So she starts differently, less harsh because that, oh, so you need to, you know, you need to apologize. I, my, where's my sorry? Where is it? I still is jumping. It's jumping, twitching. Like I'm trying to like, I don't know. You uh, Is it more of a cartoon kind of thing where the madness, this conversation is madness. Right. Even you saying, oh, you're not speaking to me now. I am reading. We just ate. It is only the two of us in this room. So you must find a way to fill this silence mm -hmm. and you choose to do so engaging in this manner so it's like oh mariana why i, I just want and lister's response to that is don't be childish <laughs> th thank you uh, so the apology appears further down because she continues i know when you're sulking all you do is write or read and it has the action that Anne puts her pen down briefly then picks it up again and carries on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah then she adds you should apologize to me for what you said earlier, which is, of course, how we start the goddamn scene. And then Lister is, you know, she replies, no, I'm afraid it's brought back too many memories for that. And we go down the dark road of, what do you mean, Blackstone Edge? And Mariana's dismissiveness of, oh, here we go. Let's do it. Let's argue. Let's let's talk about it. <sighs> and that scene continues on. And the note after Mariana finishes her hurtful little soliloquy is, it makes Anne upset slash embarrassed hearing all this. Her past gaucheries haunt her more than she likes to acknowledge. Oh, Mariana realizes she may have gone too far. See, this to me is, this is classic stereotypical Mariana. I'm going to go too far. I'm going to say too much. I'm going to be too hurtful. And then when I see the dividends, when I see the results, I'm going to be like, oh, was that, was that too hurtful? Was that too far? I didn't really mean it. Not the way you took it. I meant, you know, but this feels like it's a Mariana trait. It has that Mariana is worried when she calls Anne's name and that Anne Lister is Quote, bravely, we can see how vulnerable these memories make her, so that she's being brave in the moment. That's, <laughs> I mean, she's being brave by staying with that bitch. I, I'd have been gone. I'm like, oh, Mariana, um, is this, what, is this what the trip? You need to send a note to Charles. Yep. Yo, Janie! Yo, Janie, order the horses! Get my things. Get my things. Just throw shit at you, Janie. But she's like, oh, fuck. So we leave it. We leave it. Great. All right. And so here's a great note that we can have a little discuss on. So after Mariana is written as delivering the line, I loved you. I still love you more than your Miss Walker ever would have done. Which mm. the note underneath it says, Anne knows that's unlikely. And Walker is utterly mesmerized by her and has been for years. At least Miss Walker never went and married a buffoon like Charles. But, ellipsis, Miss Walker's gone. And perhaps she'll come back married to Alexander Mackenzie. Who knows? Maybe Anne consults the camera with a look here before she carries on. So interesting because they they have a fourth wall break and some other stuff. I don't, um, I almost feel like, oh, that's not true because there's an intense scene at the end of the episode with Anne Walker where we get a fourth wall break, which I don't mind it, but I just feel like a fourth wall break would have been odd here. I agree. The same way how I'm glad they omitted it for the Rawson argument. Like I didn't need it. Yes, he's being vulgar. Well, he's a vulgar person. And he's currently drunk, so... Perfect, of course. I mean, he's low-blowing, whatever. And this also looks a little different um, from what Ann Lister actually says in the show. They have her written as saying, this whole trip's going to be a very sorry affair if we're going to keep pulling each other over to bits. We are where we are. 
We've both made choices and we've both made mistakes. Let's not hate each other, Mary. We've weathered the storm this far, haven't we? And we're still friends, aren't we? Despite everything. Nah, girl. Oh, I'm laughing at my notes that say SUDDEN in all caps, but it's because after Mariana replies, well, more than just friends, Freddie. Surely, surely. She's like, we can never be just friends. Right. They have Ann Lister saying, well then, and then in parentheses, a sudden thought. And I'm like, sudden? Sudden? Is it sudden? It's not sudden. It's been there. Oh, this is different too, actually. Now that I'm looking at it. They have her written as saying, come and live with me at Shipton. I won't go to Paris. I won't go anywhere. I'll drop everything. I'll change all my plans. Let's put all this nonsense behind us once and forever. So the wording is a bit different there from what she says. Um, And then the note after that says, as soon as it's offered on a plate, Mariana's fear kicks in and Anne sees that. And then they have Anne Lister is adding, think about it. Let's carry on tomorrow up to London and think about it. And the final note for that scene being Mariana nods and she's genuine. She really wishes she had what it took to grasp the opportunity but could she cope with the day-to-day reality and risk public ridicule and give up the present comforts of Lawton Hall I slight uh, slight disagreement there but that's because of that's that's my own personal opinions of how I see Mariana I don't know what you would say but for me I would say that Mariana potentially laments a perfect world or a different world in which she could shack up with Anne and not have to worry about anything I'm not sure that it's about oh I don't have the courage I always fall back to what Mariana thinks is possible and the delusions she believes that Anne labors under. And so I don't know that, I don't know that she, like, I don't think she wants to hurt Anne. I don't think she wants to hurt her maliciously, but I also don't think that she is optimistic about this opportunity given the quote unquote worldliness she's had to suffer and endure all these years with Charles and whoever else. So she could be lacking in the trust department here where it's like, okay, there's an offer in front of me. Which makes sense. This isn't the first time an offer has been in front of me. And then one time in my recollection that I remember jumping on this offer, you were like, you oh, my it's vo- wait, it's void. You sent right. me back. You were like, so, oh, not right now. Right, it's too so blatant. It's I too know. blatant. <laughs> how do I know that you won't consider this? You won't just overthink and just change your mind about this particular moment where you're offering me all Right. This. We can try to get into Mariana's mindset a little bit and what she might have been thinking there. Although she still makes like my eyes doing this twitch <laughs> and I'm trying to like steady it in my brain. Steady and- the Mariana twitch. She creates and causes twitches. Let me fucking tell you it's not it's okay it's not your fault so that scene ends the way that it does and of course we get another scene with Anne Walker back in Scotland and the only thing of note that I want to mention here is that in the notes it says that on her bedside table besides other things she has a candle in her red Moroccan book of common prayer with her sketchbook it's her book that she got from her bae Uh uh-huh Back when Ainsworth was being a fuck shit. Here comes her sister. It says the sketch she's doing of Ann Lister's half, half completed, which we saw on the show, and et cetera, et cetera. Her sister comes in plagued by life and the patriarchy, and the scene eventually ends. Although, I will say that there is a note that when Elizabeth is trying to cajole her into meeting up with this dude, having dinner with this dude, entertaining her husband's fancy, that she hates doing this to her sister. So, at least, at least, you hate doing it. You're stuck. You're trapped. But you hate that you're doing these shitty things while trapped. Okay. I shall to marry him. And at the end of the scene when Anne Walker asks her sister if she heard anything from Miss Lister and Elizabeth is like, no, nothing. The final note says, this kills Anne. Even though she can barely show it, has Anne Lister forgotten about her? No! It's a terrible feeling. Oh, oh that is a horrible feeling. My God. I, mm, I can't, um, like I don't have a version of that for an intimate background i only have a version of that that is totally different but it's like neurodegenerative diseases dementia alzheimer's with your 
older people in your family. And that's unpleasant. It's like I have a essentially a great aunt right now who is she's she's currently the 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 oldest matriarch in this country. So that is to say one of the first of like that of a previous generation that was immigrating over when a whole lot of people were doing it. And so there are certain things that she has in that head of hers that are entirely unique and stuff and so my cousins and I we try to do things where you know depending on what the day is how she's feeling and lucid just try to coax memories or things out sometimes recipes if you can get lucky but you know aunties can be pretty jaunty about whether or not they're gonna give you the recipes and that's one of those things that it's just it, that's something else I my heart goes out and breaks for everyone who has to deal with that with a primary parent. Like I read Saran Jones had to deal with something similar with her mother because that's just outside of a partner or lover. Like to me, that's the worst, like a loss of knowledge or sense of self for someone who was directly responsible for forming you as a human. That fucking sucks. And so that's the only thing I can think of where that is there because that aspect of it makes me really sad because there's just certain things about, I, I hate to say old world, but something like that, like languages. Like how I can understand and speak Spanish and French. My sister, just French. My little brother, none of the above. <laughs> like, oh. No, is it? Right, my, and my sister so used removed. to be fluent no, in Spanish, but my grandmother died, like I was saying on the other episode, like a week before he was born. And so she was the link, especially to, I'm going to make sure that my daughter and my grandchildren are speaking these languages. We're going to speak Spanish. You come in my house. We are speaking Spanish. We are speaking French. This is what happens. So my sister was fluent in a moment. But then again, if you don't keep it up, it just, that's what it brought up for me is that that thing of like, once it's gone, in your mind, certainly at least you think it's gone forever. You're just right. like, it's gone. It's just out of the world. It's just out of the ether. It's out of existence. Great. Not great. Not not great at all. So after that, Ann Walker actually replies, and this is the deleted line, as far as I can tell. She says, well, there's always Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. That's just me right, laughing as to in myself. someone to write to her, I guess. Not to see her or like visit, pop yeah. in. Yeah. And they have Elizabeth as replying, yes, but she can't stay with you indefinitely. She has her own life to lead. And you'd be in that huge house again and all on your own. You've got me here, at least. I won't let them bully you into something you don't want. I promise. Ugh, but you're living a life you don't want. You're, girl, you stuck uh, in a life you don't want. How are you going to help another bitch escape when you trapped yourself? But, you know, she kind of does. So we'll, 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 cross that we'll roll back we on. Get to we it. will. <laughs> You're like, we'll cross that bridge later, Candace. What the fuck? And they have Ann Walker saying, of course, a sentiment of what we saw on the show. You're frightened of him, aren't you, Captain Sutherland? And the, She tries to change the subject. The note <laughs> is just like, yes. Yes, she is. And she's like, look, it's a complicated Anne. I've got children, you know, children. They mm. complicate everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So as the scene closes, the notes say that Elizabeth goes and snuggles down into bed, still with the candle lit. She looks at the closed sketch pad, and we know that her most tender thoughts are with Anne. She pulls the sketch pad into bed with her and hugs it under the covers, then extinguishes her candle. Oh, for baby gay. Oh, did we see that? We don't see Anne Lister knocking on Vera's door, do we? I feel like she just jaunts well, I, inside. Maybe she does just jaunt in. I mean, there's a note saying that we see Anne Lister just crossing the street and knocking enthusiastically of the door of number 57. And then the next, that's an exterior shot. And the next shot is an interior shot inside Vera Cameron's house in London. And the note says that Anne runs up the stairs two at a time, which I was pretty positive there was going to be a direction to say two at a time, bitch, because what else are tall, jaunty bitches supposed to do but right. take the stairs two and three, potentially, if you can, at a time. But it's there. So the note, Sally knew. And that's what she wrote down for Saran. And look how she describes Veer and discover the ever exquisite Veer Cameron. She has a tiny baby asleep in her arms. And I think it's funny to juxtapose that 
that with what some of the other stories have said, like Antromo, about how they describe Veer as just being like chubby and pleasant. And I'm like, Sally's like, exquisite. Veer is exquisite. But for the sake of this narrative and a juxtaposition to Mariana, I'm good with this. Right. I'm good. So, of course, everything that we think is true about how Veer is receiving Anne is accurate, that she is delighted. It also makes a note that when Anne Lister asks Veer, how are you? It says that Veer considers a truthful answer that isn't too graphic. And when they say that, I'm like, Veer, what could you have said? You just had a baby. Oh, the my uterus is falling out. I don't know. Lord, let me not say that story. I don't know what that means, but I suppose she could have been like, my vagina is positively aching. <laughs> I don't know. Right, right. She didn't say it hurt. And so after they have their interactions, there is a note of when Ann Lister is talking about how long she's going to stay. She's like, oh, a fortnight, depending. And Veer's like, oh, on, um, on. And we're like, women! The note says, depending on whether things change, if Mariana does take her up on her offer, which, of course, Anne can't say to Veer. And it's like, right. girl, Mariana ain't taking her up on no damn offer. And then they have a note that Anne buries it with a smile and says, things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then they go on and continue about, oh, you simply have to, simply have to pop into my half-sister, Harriet. She'd be positively gagging, gagging for good company. And I don't know why I'm so tickled by her and Veer talking it up in this scene, but I am. Just the accents and how they talk, it makes me laugh. And the final bit of this scene is actually deleted after Anne says she came up with her friend, uh, Mrs. Lawton of Cheshire. There's a note that says she smiles and she says, I've missed you. And then Anne smiles too, but Veer senses Anne isn't herself and asks, are you all right? And Anne Lister replies, I'm, I'm always, always all right. right. So oh. interesting. So they could have left us in a more sullen thing here, but instead they left us on a happy thing, right. which I appreciate because we were pretty sullen. We were pretty down low, deep down low right. in the dofuls for most of the episode. We do not need more, please. And thank you, Sally. So from there, of course, we move on. We move on and we're back to Mariana and and drama. And Mariana is back at the hotel on a chaise waiting for Ann Lister to reappear. Three letters have come for you since you've gone. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Lady Mexborough, Lady Gordon, and Lady Stewart. I'm sorry. The way Anne's face looks when she's like, Lady Stewart. It's like, girl, get a room. It just makes a note to say at the end of the scene, the camera lingers on Mariana, who definitely is not feeling what's happening in this situation. She's not thrilled at all. And then the next scene, of course, is this infamous... Anne has a dress on scene. And I realized after the fact, we totally jaunted over a line. In particular in this scene, but it's probably because we were just too busy raging, raging against Mariana and the dress and everything and conforming to what people want you to look like because you have to for propriety, all of it shitty. And so it starts out, as you might expect, where she's talking in French to Eugenie. And she's like, oh, you're good at this. That's cool. And Eugenie's like, that's nice. So what are we going to do about Thomas, though? Because Thomas is fucking pissing me off. Thomas is super fucking annoying. And that's when Anne is not a very good misandrist. And it's just like, make it happen. Deal with it. Handle it. Fix it. And we don't like that response. But that's the one she Isn't gives. that the reply? Like, oh, I, I'm trying. But it's like um, something like uh, talking to a brick wall or some sort of other impossibility. Is this line in the show where Eugenie says, I don't like him, and Anne says, nonsense, what's not to like? I don't know, Anne. A lot. A lot. A lot. A lot. So after Anne Lister's just like, make a better effort, man. Just handle it. The note says, Anne stands up to look at herself in a long mirror, just as A, Eugenie's about to protest, quote, but I have madam, in English, and B, Mariana comes in. Mariana is stunned. She's never seen Anne look this sophisticated or fashionable before. Of course, Anne has no sense of whether she looks amazing or not. Her insecurities about her appearance are legion, despite all of her bluster and swagger. In fact, she probably feels like a freak dressed like this. 
<laughs> I mean, we discussed <laughs> feeling like a freak, even if other people feel like you look good. It don't matter if you don't feel comfortable in your own skin. You're not comfortable. Right. Period. And so of that dialogue, when Anne is talking to Marion, she's like, what do you think? Will I do? Lady Stewart prefers ladies to wear low cut crowns at dinner. So what? What? You look worried. And so it seems like um, obviously Saran Jones broke that up and she did different things and things and things. So it flowed more naturally. But there's a sentiment. And of course, we just have Mariana. No, you're <laughs> da, da, da. <sighs> right. Right. <sighs> oh, Anne. And the note says she's nodding and accepts that as a tentative thumbs up. And Alyssa's was just like, really? And she's like, mm, 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 mm. <laughs> And so this is what we forgot to mention in the recap is the following lines when Ann Lister is like, okay, well, I'll try not to be too late back. And Mariana's like, well, I think that's unlikely. Don't you? From Richmond. <laughs> so she has that energy for Ann Lister. And Ann Lister replies, yes, all the same. I'll endeavor to not be too. And then Mariana cuts her off and she's like, these people really excite you, don't they? So you know how she likes to argue. It's like, if only you were this excited to be in my company, even though I don't treat you like you should be treated. But still. Right. I liked it better when the attention was on me. Ultimately, was her vibe and feeling. But, you know. Well, I'm not going to say that's not true. And last line Anne says, here is, actually, Mary, they unnerve me. But we're not alive, are we, if we're not trying to better ourselves? <laughs> 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 and then Eugenie places a little thang thang around her shoulders and she's like what a shame you don't know them you could have come with me goodbye <laughs> right <laughs> I love it I love it what about the gaucheries and Lister had to suffer in Scarborough and all these other places where she was with Mariana people like oh my god look at Anne's police it's got holes it looks like a moth has run through it and that's fucking rude. I mean, they didn't say all that, but that's what I get from no, what no, no. Anne describes as yep. her own idea of what she's wearing and what she thinks people are probably thinking. And again, I'm confused as to why Mariana didn't just try to forcefully gift that hoe something. Okay. Just something. Just it, something. I'm of the mindset is of if you don't like what someone you're interested in is wearing, you replace it with the thing that you would prefer them in. Within reason. Within reason. Only because I could see that going really wrong in a certain way, but it could go really right if you have a sense of this person's style. Like, don't catch somebody who's always wearing, I don't know, let's say baggy jeans or sweats and hit them with the skinny jeans. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't do that. Right. Don't do that. Because they'll be like, are you trying to change me? And they probably would be right to ask that question. So that ends. Anne goes off to dinner with Lady Stewart, and the next scene is bullshit at the South Home Farm, which is where Washington approaches the farmhouse there. And there's a note about people hanging out, the Southern people, that we can see a vast change in the farm since we were last here. Everything's tidier and better cared for. Mary's outside in the sunshine peeling potatoes and Amy's playing a game. They both look cleaner, better fed, and their clothes aren't as ragged. Well, damn. I say that's a level up, level up. <laughs> that is level a level up, up. Level up, level up, level up, level up, level up, level up, level up. I don't know what the rest of those lyrics go. Ooh. I'm watching it and my head but i can't think of it i was because... doing that you saw i was doing the move right, like, right. Level up. but that that is the theme song playing for the saudin's back door see that's every son's dream to be able to upgrade his family and his stairs you go thomas you go so washington goes inside and it does make it know that thomas and his 10 year old brother alf i didn't know if we ever heard the name alf but now we know thomas got a little brother named alf and alf helps make stairs because none of these kids go to school what's that in the stairs oh man <laughs> <laughs> Fat Lynn's this. And uh, it's supposed to be a more robust one than the glorified ladder they had before. And I'm like, well, bitch, get the, your mama got a bad leg. Get her some proper stairs. 
accessibility, please. And yeah, there's notes that Thomas is nervous and stuff. And that was obvious. And I love the note that when his mom starts just flying off at the handle where her bullshit lies, the note's like, it terrifies Thomas when his mother confabulates about what happened. <laughs> it should. It should. It should. You were good up until that confabulation. And so for the next scene, which is at the Hawkins Hotel again in London with Anne and Mariana, we have what seems to me be a confirmation of a lack of moody grubbles which is what we were supposing they were having if it was off screen that Anne and Mariana, that was never an issue in the department having sex. So the likelihood that they probably got up to a kiss in the night or in the morning. I mean, let's just say in general, having a kiss in the night or in the morning, being woken up or sent to sleep either way is a good way to go get a solid night's sleep. So that is just practical science that people should engage in potentially if they feel like it. But in this note, it says interior Anne and Mariana bedroom Dover Street day. Anne and Mariana in bed together. Anne's asleep. Mariana's awake and thoughtful and very definitely not on the Amoroso. <laughs> she pushes the covers back and sits on the edge of the bed to stretch and wake up and gather her thoughts. Sleepy Anne wakes up languorously after her fab night out with the toffs and glimpses Mariana, lit beautifully by a beam of intense morning light through a tiny gap in the closed shutters. Anne feels aroused by the delicately illuminated shape of Mariana's body through her night dress. And so I saw that and I was like, yeah, but Anne Lister's gay. Like, like that's, that's, that to me, that's the, that's the I cliff mean, notes. That's, that's the cliff notes. She's like, bitch, you annoy me so fucking much when Charles dies, when Charles dies. She's like, oh, well, look at the way the light hits your shoulder though. Mm. I mean, we could, we could, if you want to, real quick, we got five minutes. There's a diary entry that talks about Mariana requesting a quick grubble. And Anne's like, I don't know, I don't know. Back in the day. And Mariana's like, we can make it happen real quick. And they do make it happen in seven minutes. They're like, seven minutes in heaven. Seven minutes in heaven. Now let's go back and pretend like we're good heads doing propriety. So that's, they could have made it happen, but it doesn't. And this is the line from Anne. And this shit made me laugh. It says, do you want me to make your pip squeak? <laughs> ah! Woo! Wow. I don't need any more George and <sighs> Anne Lister statements to put into my vernacular to confuse and confound and hopefully influence people. I've seen a... A couple comments and people are like, I say grubbling and jaunty way too much. I'm like, good, good. Because I say way too much. Join the fucking shit. Let's all be too much together. So you know what's going to happen, right? Merch. Do you want me to? <laughs> oh, my God. Merch. Right, because no one's a... I'm going to have that shirt. Like, flirt with girls with your shirt. Do you want me to make your pips squeak? See? Your pips. Your pips. And I'm like, what are the pips? Because pips is plural. So Ooh. is pips, is a pips a stand-in for stuff? Right. Like, Ooh. is this, um... Mm. Right? What is pips? Are they nips? No, uh, no, because I mean, <laughs> because pips squeak, nips right. don't make a noise. Well, well, okay. With, 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 let me let me voice, dial that back. Voice, <laughs> uh, sorry, I mean, <gasps> not that sorry, I having... would know. That's not I'm a saint. <laughs> I'm the saint. You're like I read a science book this one time, <laughs> right? I was, I was and there this to is study what anatomy. <laughs> Ooh, you just Ooh. made me think of an entry I have in the thing coming up when Anna Mariana have a fight. And Anne tries to go get on the Amoroso, but she got a tip situation, dries a stick. Oh. And Mariana's like, oh, that's because of you, though. <laughs> Yo, Mariana has no chill. Anne is like, bitch, what? How am I supposed to? She's like, oh, is it is it dry like the Sahara? Bitch, blame yourself. Because if you weren't saying that ridiculous shit earlier, maybe I wouldn't be. Maybe. I so. get mad at me saying I'm trying to get you wet. Well... You need to keep trying. Hello? No, that's where I had to laugh because I was like, Mariana has a point, bitch. Like, if you if you haven't sufficiently done the Amoroso where this bitch is looking like the Sahara, reminding you of Tib, stick, then 
And it's time to put in some more list of work, okay? List of work, list of work. List of work, level up, whatever you need to do. Level up, level up, level up, level up. You thought the foreplay was over, but apparently it has not even begun. She needs to bring that Ann Walker jaunt when she was like, I don't know if I can make up for her. I don't know if I can do enough. And then she went in there with the biggest grubble and poor Ann Walker was like, bitch, you can never, we we will never grubble again. I don't know what you thought the fuck you were doing. I can't believe this. This can't be legal. I know it's illegal. And Annalise was like, it's not just for men. She's like, no, I know it is because it can't be right to feel what I'm feeling right now. I am so out of source. Okay, Terrence, the, the miming you're doing right now of Ann Walker, just like paralyzed by right. O's. Yes. Paralyzed by O's. But that's what we know Ann Walker was dealing with. And that's because Ann Lister was so fucking stressed about man keen and being worldly that she went in there on level 15 when Ann Walker was like, I could just take a three and I'll be fantastic. <laughs> because they're totally gross like that where they're like you don't even gotta you don't even have to literally I'm so ready that just this little bit right here and I'm good oh my god Pray Ann Walker <laughs> and so after Ann Lister is like do you want me to make your pip squeak Mariana's like not really <laughs> I'm sorry that's rude I mean, no, it's not rude to say what you don't want, but also just a little bit how Mariana was carrying on. Then it says Mariana heads off out of shot to use the chamber pot. We linger on Anne and we can see, parentheses, with this dismissive comment from Mariana, that privately and deep down, Anne remains just as disillusioned slash tired slash bored with Mariana as Mariana probably is with her, despite their valiant efforts to patch things up. So that's interesting. Sally is suggesting with her interpretation that they both sick to death of each other, but history and sentimentality has them holding on to something they have no business holding on to. Would you agree with her statement? There? I mean, maybe that's what she was trying to frame for here. I mean, I, in oh. this situation, am team love yourself. And it's hard yeah. to be team love yourself and team love Anna somebody and Mariana. Oh, right, right, so, right. right. For that reason, this pairing won't work. And because it's one of those, you know, um, I mean, it, it could be Stockholm. I don't know. Like, maybe you just like being abused and challenged this way. And you just have to understand that, you know what? You don't need this. This isn't a prerequisite for happiness. Oh, you mean love. Anne? Yeah, that's not I a mean, prerequisite. That's sort of what I'm going to get to with the entries. Is we've already talked about how I think that sex was an obviously big connector. And especially being queer in this world. Sex in general, if it's good and it's had with someone you give a shit about. Ideally, it elevates your connection and hopefully your understanding and closeness to the other human in a way that is unparalleled to other people because you are on this sexual jaunt by yourself. But from what I can understand and what I've been able to interpret from what I've read about Ann Lister's early life, especially as it pertains to her relationship with Mariana, is that there were certain things that were always true about her, being sensitive about her lack of money, how she dressed, how people perceived her. Which in general, given how society is structured and her background as gentry and her walking this paradox of kind of what Christopher Austin says, the Listers are rich in name only. And I may be channeling that from the 
and Lister Film. But he says something like that where he's like, everyone knows the Listers are rich in name only. And so <laughs> I think there are already complexes that come to bear. And because the patriarchy is what it is, and even though Ann Lister was a very prideful person, there were aspects of her that did think, at least in the beginning, that things having to do with this sapphic goings on need to be kept secret. They need to be kept hidden. They need to be obfuscated or explained away. And we can't ever actually admit this in the daylight because that's not what's happening. And so because of that overall awareness of what society needed, I think perhaps more often than not, Ann Lister was willing to excuse Mariana's shame because that was the default. She's like, this is the default reality. The default reality is what people like Mariana are thinking, that I should not look this way, or this should not be this way, or this is odd and whatever. And so because she had this incredible sense of self and self-love in a way through her faith and just like her jauntiness, even though she was beat for two years while she was in her boarding school, that says, okay, right. So God made me this way. And so since God made me this way, I love me. And since I am clearly different from everyone else, I am an oddity. Like yes. Mrs. Priestley says, nature was an odd freak when they made your ass. She was like, girl, they were, they really were. But I know how to please women. And okay. so I think all of that, especially when you deal with like baby gay Ann Lister in the sense that she's just fresh off Eliza and Isabella. And now she's like, oh, this is it. This is the girl we doing it and we know Mariana but that dirty talk was selling that shit she was like yeah girl we doing it and then here comes Charles here comes family obligations here comes the patriarchy and suddenly Mariana's like boom bubble burst like for me it's done but she allows for Anne to keep parts of these fantasies it's like the negativity it's played into by the fact that society co-signs everything Anne Lister is saying and if she alone feels like she's in direct opposition versus when she meets people like Miss Pickford to be like oh well is that another gay in life oh I didn't I thought because there's another references she makes to Sappho and Byron and people who wrote about quote unquote lesbianism and things of that nature. And so for her, she's like, for me, this is natural. This is what it is. I was born this way. But behavior, behavior that is learned that she also thinks is possible is not the same. It's not to the same level, to the same degree, to the same trueness of how she feels about women because she knows she was born this way. So her perception of being born this way was altered and skewed because, well, there was no stuff or representation for her to know what was going on. So you're dealing with a Mariana your whole life who's like, I can't do this. This isn't happening. This doesn't work. This isn't real. You have to continue to say, I, I am the outlier. It's me. It's not everyone else. It's me. They're not wrong. It's me who's wrong in the sense of I'm expecting this type of stuff. I'm expecting this behavior when it's completely absurd versus a callback to what she says to Ann Walker in that speech. What am I? It's mm. kind of like her accepting once again that, oh, this is just me. I'm an oddity. I thought when you said that one thing that you were gay, too, you're repulsed by a connection with a man. And you've had these feelings since you were 14. You think that we were the same, but we aren't the same. And so I think that limits her perspective and what she can understand the same way it limits Mariana because they've not seen anything. They've not seen a representation. And so Mariana is able to have this manipulative stronghold emotionally over Ann Lister because how else is it supposed to work until some other bitch gets in the scene to be like, actually, it can work this way. And even though Mrs. Barlow was never really a viable candidate for Ann Lister, even though she should have because that bitch was thirsty to a degree. She really fucking was. Um, ooh. But none of them want to fuck you. Oh, you God! You object. No, but it's that. And then Mariana puts in a lot of work. She puts in a lot of consistent work after she realizes Miss Bala was a thing. And Anne, to her part, she's motherfucking Patty. She's like, would you like to know that I was grumbling Miss Barlow? Because I was. Would you like to read this letter that she wrote me? Because it has feelings. And so those are weird tendencies. I feel like I've seen an enlister where it's her trying to reinforce some sort of type of self-love where she's like, be jealous about me. Show me that I'm worth it. 
do this. Where it's not, it's not good, it's messy. You don't wanna make people jealous intentionally. You don't wanna cause these things, but it's because I think after a point, Anne doesn't really believe that Mariana truly loves her in that yes. way. Like she keeps writing it over and over again. And actually it's an insane amount of times that she'll see Mariana and conjecture, conjecture, conjecture for pages about, oh, it's off. Oh, I don't know. It's never gonna work. I mean, what is this legal prostitution? What's going on? And then complete reversal when she actually sees Mariana, when she actually talks to Mariana, gets a kiss for Mariana. She's like, oh no, that was, oh, I'm convinced. I'm absolutely convinced of her love for me. And to me, that's you trying to self-fulfill what you want to be true. Because why are you writing in every other entry that you are convinced that her love is true for you? Because if you were convinced, why are we still writing it down when you just said it a day ago? But you've had another kiss. You've had another interaction. Now you're for sure, for sure convinced. Your efforts are redoubled. I just, I, it's, it's weird and complicated and stuff, but I don't even know if I made sense just then. I blame Jen, but did I? Did I make sense? I feel like I. I mean, I was there. Yay! But you in the gym too. I'm so. in the gym too. <laughs> so that could be what let's, happened. Let's let us know if you were there and you followed along, or if you were confused, please. If there was it, also Jen, and then that's to... why you were following oh. along. <laughs> let us know that as well, and I will try to re-explain myself. Um, but yes, when we go to the scene in London where Anne and Mariana are in the dining room. It's interesting because the way Sally writes this, she wants to draw a clear juxtaposition between Mariana's relationship with her husband. And she writes, Anne and Mariana, both dressed and coughed, eat breakfast together, sitting across the table from one another, just like Mariana and Charles do. Anne's reading a newspaper. I feel like the table's bigger when it's Mariana and Charles. I think so too. <laughs> just like Charles does, ignoring Mariana. So she makes a point to say that Anne is reading the paper like Charles does and ignoring Mariana. And then continues, she finished eating and is sipping a second cup of coffee. Silence for long enough. And then Mariana. It's curious. So to me, that's, that's Sally trying to say that Mariana's being triggered because she's like, bitch, I came here to have the excitement of sapphic love. And instead, you remind me of the doleful het nonsense with Charles, with you sitting here reading your paper, ignoring me and shit. Do you think that this was a glimpse of Mariana's alternate future where she is sitting and Shipton Hall being ignored by Ann Lester, who's reading a paper where it's like, I, I mean, I left Charles for this and I'm getting the same exact life, even though you're not a crotchety old man, you're Ann Lister, but. Interesting. I'm going to say yes. Here's why. Because at the end of the day, I question the veracity of the steadfastness of their love. Because as I look at it, everyone can have their own opinions. And perhaps if you're polyamorous or you have an open relationship, you have different opinions for how many lovers you can have while being in a committed relationship with someone and whatever. But I just have a hard time accepting that Ann Lister for how intense she thought about commitment and sacrament and stuff that she ever really, really truly believed beyond this initial primary betrayal by Mariana, followed by other betrayals that would come from Blackstone Edge and Scarborough. I'm not of the thought that they would have had domestic bliss had they lived together because I'm like, how do you know you're going to have domestic bliss if you've never tried domesticity? It's kind of like the concept of, of people who are like, oh, we're going to get married, but we're not going to live together until we get married. It's like, how do you know I, it's I, all going to work out and not be a total shit fest when that happens? And I think this is one of those situations where there are times, periods of times, a number of weeks sometimes that Anna and Mariana are together in the same place and so they're having sex regularly. But in order for the sex to get to a happy regular place, in a moment in the diaries in the 1820s, there's essentially a renewing of the commitment post Mrs. Barlow. But I would also argue in my sense that with Mariana not being a fucking child, she helped orchestrate that because you know what you need to do. If you've been standoffish, if you've not been sending the letters you need to send for the type of personality you know, because you know Ann Lister well, you know what she likes to see, you know what she likes to hear, and you're not doing that, but then you get confirmation that there's another bitch really close, really close really to usurping close. you. You're like, oh shit, 
I'm just showing the fuck up at your door, which she kind of does. Showing the fuck up. Let's get to the Amoroso. Let's get to this. Let's talk about this. And literally, it only takes two seconds for Ann Lister to be in a thing where she's like, obviously, Mariana and I are meant to be forever together forever for life. I love her. She loves me. We have never been more committed. Everything is perfect. Right after sex, I'm like, girl, that is not the time to think that your mind is clear. And that maybe that's something that's the advent of us modern folks, that we have so many memes and things and things where you're like, I don't know that the clearest part of your sexual experience for you to make decisions in is right after the O. Like, I don't know if that is going to... I mean, right after the O is be a without lot bias. better than right on route to the O. You know, there's What do you lot, mean? There are people who ask for things mid-coitus. Ask for what? Wait, sexual things? Or? Uh, things, things, period. Like, you got cash on you. Like, oh, wait, wait, wait! <laughs> Listen... I'm not trying to say that somebody took me all the right. way out, Darren. I'm not saying someone's being a ball buster. You but... said you got five dollars, <laughs> right? Right? What? Right? You got a Lucy bet? You got? I can't. Please continue. <laughs> you said somebody asking for money people, during the grubble. People, people barter. They they barter things. And Do they, they? They barter activities. Some some do. Some is this like a, a dry snitch on yourself? In a bartering situation? Hey, I don't. I'm <laughs> listen no. Not me. I'm trying to figure out if I've ever bartered for anything. Like, what is a barter? Like, you give me this, I'll give you that? Is that what that is? I mean, I'm not of. a barterer in uh, sexual things. I, it is what it is. I giveth what I doth give. Right. Well, yeah, but you know, I like, don't. Like, barter's a creepy word for it, but. I am, right. So let me find a way to word this, not sounding like a dick, potentially, because I don't, I'm like, I'm like, did I just sound like an asshole with the gin? What I mean is. I think we actually mentioned this in one of the night caps and one of these several bazillion hours we've accumulated that some people and some women can just get pleasure from giving pleasure. Yes, listen. And I've speculated that Ann Lister was one of these people. Obviously, she incurred crosses by herself and did other things, but one can reach to the heights of gratification without necessarily gratifying themselves or being directly oh, yes. stimulated yes. Yes. by... And I would Stuff. love for more of the, what is it, the 11%, 13%? Whoever oh, Lord. I would love for you all to, um, you know, take a spin on. on <laughs> just, what they spinning on? I don't know. Just <laughs> take a spin. On, take take the road to self-love. I'll just say that. Right. Take the road to Start self-love. There. Start there. And, Wait, who was it? Was it you cross- showing me the woman who, who didn't um, discover masturbation until she was like 35 or whatever? Oh my God, yeah. When she started the podcast. And I'm like, see, this is how the patriarchy's fucking people up, though. We actually got women out here who have not discovered how to incur a cross, or that they should, or that it's good for your health, good for your mentals, good for your goddamn, what's that stuff, serotonin? Yeah. All that shit. And you gotta be going through life over 30 years and you're like, oh, it's just dawned on me. And what was worse about that girl is not only was she not incurring crosses for herself, but she wasn't catching O's with the man. Right. And I said, oh God! So were you just one of those women having sex that's like, it's I and it's, and I'm, it's whatever. I mean, it, I, mean, I do it. It's I a let task. him get, I get it on done. me and he, he does his business. Oh, hell no. Like, oh, hell. I'm about to throw up right. my gin. <laughs> I object. I just object to that kind I of... I object, Joanna. Mm, that's the devil. And the devil is a liar, Terrence, <laughs> because that don't make no damn sense. <sighs> so I don't even know how we got here. We're here. We were from... talking about Mariana. Yeah, right. Oh, right. You were asking something about like, did I see this as a, a future prediction with her and Anne? And 
I'm one of those people that's not convinced their domestic life would have been perfect. And there's a lot of things that are said about the domestic life, about the N and N's, and some of which I agree with, some of which I do not. But, you know, it's like anything else. Anyone can read anything and come to their own interpretation of what they think that means. And I have very specific opinions about things that be could be considered as domestic unrest. And at least for me personally, especially being such an Ann Walker stan, I can't remember when I last said this to you, but I just sort of feel like any sort of stubbornness or temper, quote unquote, as Ann Lister would put it, that Ann Walker would have had is owing to her agency, is owing to the confidence inside of herself she found yeah, that allowed that. her to come back and say uh marry me bitch so that's just my personal opinion is and it tickles me to no end like i've had whole skits with my friends and by myself where i'm imagining what ann walker would have been like in a scene where it looks like she's being difficult about money but i'm like why wouldn't she be and lister's always jaunting off like i want to build this i want to do that i want to build this i want to do that and is it isn't it reasonable for Ann Walker and her Bugatti to be like, but why, babe? Like, why do we need this imported wood instead of the other wood? She's like, no, I just told you that the grain, that if you look at the grain and how smooth it is, that actually the way that it contrasts with the background color here, it shipped in is why we need it. She's like, yeah, but I still don't understand <laughs> why we need this imported wood instead of the other wood. And, and so Marion's like, yes, see, another, a, a sensible voice. Uh, Marion. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Actually, actually, this is early because we haven't done our wish list for season two, but one of my wish lists is Anne and Marion ganging up on Anne yes. and Lister. Yes. Awesome bullshit. Because you know she's a haughty, snobby bitch. And, and more, I gotta do it. more fourth walls for Anne Walker to the camera. Oh my God. You think we might get a fourth wall from Anne Walker? Yes. Sorry, that was really screechy. I mean, the closest was, what, what are you looking at? And Lord <laughs> Sally, Lord <laughs> Sally. If you don't give me this whole near queer with the braids off, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I will write a jaunty letter because I have no problem with the love scenes as they are, but I swear. If we come back to season two and I do not see these bitches on Amoroso skin to skin, I'm just gonna feel like it's unfair for all the emphasis that Ann Walker put up until the last fucking day before she went to Scotland where she was like, could you remove those goddamn braids? If you could just be near me, like fully. And Ann Lister was like, no, I can't, I'm sorry. We have not made the commitment that we need to do. And I've done that life with Mariana, and I'm not going back there. I'm not doing right, that. Right, and they're committed now. So you are right. I am on board, and <laughs> I have expectations now. So see, see? yes, yeah, right. And I like a little light couple argument. I think that's, I think that's okay. I think it's healthy to oh, yeah. express yourself and have a disagreement. Give me, yes, give me fourth wall friend Walker, and give me, give me no braids in the in the boudoir. No fucking braise. So as that scene continues, there's a note after Mariana's line about being a clever court jester. Oh, no. No, uh, no I'm, not, I'm not reading the whole thing. She says, Anne absorbs that particularly explosive bullet. It's said from such an obviously angry place that it's easy to take a bit of a step back from it rather than get upset by it. So what we see that she's like, wow, that was so fucking out of place and so fucking rude that it can't possibly be about me. It's about you, which we totes saw. And after Anne Lister and Mariana continue back and forth, the note says, Anne keeps calm. Mariana's obviously spoiling for a fight. Uh -huh. Obviously, the whole trip she's been spoiling for a fucking fight, if you ask me. And so after, you know, the tap of the door and, oh, Mr. Lawton's downstairs, there's a note saying that Mariana clearly wasn't expecting him quite so soon and that she consults Anne with a look. But Anne indicates that it's none of her goddamn business and she's indifferent whether she comes up or not. I add a goddamn, but hell yeah. She, that's not, that's your man. You handle it. Right. I had time for me to go. She was aching for a dance partner in this 
tit for tat thing she wants to do. You're here. You got the jaunt because you got all this built up energy from her not being there to help you grieve the lost heir. Mm -hmm. So you got the room to dance. She got the room to dance. Do it. Dance. I'm out of here. Do what you got to do. See, you never. <laughs> Mind you, it's her room. And she's like, nope. She's like, keep that shit. Keep that shit. Matter of fact, got it. get some tea from downstairs, Charles. Order some fresh tea. <laughs> it's all right. Because I got to go. I got yep. shit to do. Yep. And um, they also have that after Mariana delivers the line, I didn't think for a minute you were serious. The note says that hurts Anne. Mariana is still in that provocative, say anything to be difficult mode. But can't mm. she understand just how hurtful? this is see no oh, right. we're both no, no, at the, no. the same time like see i don't know i don't think mariana was i don't think it was serious i don't, I don't think she call thought that a say anything for her i mean unless you're saying say anything and not mean it but like oh i didn't mean that oh that hurt i didn't mean it if you want to call it and frame it that way but ultimately what i keep saying about mariana especially here is that you know what she's i mean she's no She's no follower of anything like sacrament related. She's not, that's not how she's moving. She's just making her way. Making her way downtown. Right. She's, I mean, where's the easiest grubble? Where's the easiest, where's the security? <laughs> I need to know that when the world blows said, up. Where the easiest grubble, girl? A, right. Where, where can I land safely and securely? I thought it was Charles. And then I thought it was you. And how dare you now deny me exactly, my respite, my, my peace. After Charles dies. Why? How dare you? I mean, well, that's why I despite Charles outlives. But, you know, I'm not gonna. <laughs> and he lives uncharacteristically long. Right. For a motherfucker in that age. And like you said, he went to a voodoo priestess yes. on one of his colonialist trips. Spite. I don't know if he took. And he was like, yo, I need a spell. I can't die. I need to live at least 10 years past my wife's lover. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so what I also noticed was interesting is that there was no obvious direction given to Saran Jones to throw her paper. So hopefully she was just filling it in the scene, annoyed by Mariana. She was like, fuck this newspaper in your direction because that's not written there for her to do it. It just says that after Mariana makes the comment about getting a coffee pot for her other friend, that Anne smiles that off, but really she's angry because Mariana said such hurtful, small-minded things. I mean, well, yeah. And then after Mariana delivers the line about your funny little friend, uh. the note says, that shocks <laughs> Anne. It's just too bitchy. I'm glad Sally used bitchy because girl, mean girl, that's mean. <laughs> that's mean. That's Regina George mean. It, it is. It's that's, horrible. That's a line that, I mean, I don't want anyone to deliver. But if that were given to like a man, I would expect an act of misandry to follow. <laughs> right. So, right after. Right. So, I mean, hey, for someone who has no space for Ann Walker, who is yet to really meet her to know or understand why she's such a threat. She knows that she's a threat, but just to have all that animosity to be like, what? You think this will help you get your claws and grips into me? I mean, how dareth? How dareth you? How, how dareth you? After Anne has a little tete-a-tete -tete with Charles. The note says, we glimpse Mariana being bamboozled into a position she never wants to be in, stuck with her husband. It's like, but <laughs> is she bamboozled or did she bamboozle her ass into this? Because if she would have just had a different level of energy with Anne Lister, this could have gone very differently, but it does not. But also that's her husband. So for the closing of the scene, the note from Mariana just says, Mariana has no response to Charles, like 
talking about him getting a place to stay because she doesn't want to stay here and she doesn't want to be with Charles. So they let us know that Mariana is not interested in staying with Anne at the hotel, but she also want to go with Charles. So what Mariana wants is freedom. To jaunt alone? I don't know. To be alone? Would she even like to be alone? Because I feel like she wants independence, but at the same time, she's terrified of being alone. That's what motivates her to get back into Anne Lister's ear about descendants. Lord, there is this thing in my brain now I want the line because it's I'm getting pieces of it but I want all of it because this is it's a beautiful line it's I'm gonna find it on my phone a I, beautiful line I want to hear it I just had to pull it up on the tab on my what's this laptop thingy and it's not it's not really I don't know what to call this <laughs> it's it's laptop adjacent Ridiculous. But it Guys, won't. this is what happens when people like Terrence, who are not gifted in the technological ways, just order shit. Right. The I first mean, thing he said when he opened the box was like, this is bigger than I thought. And I was like, did you check the screen size? <laughs> He's like, oh, oh. So it's not a laptop. It's a Chromebook. And Terrence doesn't know why they exist. I mean, <laughs> it's uh, all right, I guess, you know. Well. You were like, can I play games on this? And everyone like, was like, like no. This, like, what does this do? Right. I just, me and my questions. All right. So here's the line. And first off, I love the song. And I love the two uh, ladies in their sapphic energy, even though they're siblings. That, oh, but they, wait a minute. The, the, the sister, two, my sister. Let's the, not but do that. not like <laughs> towards each other. It's just, oh, it's okay. the two girls. I was like, Terrence, yes. what are you bringing into this podcast? Yeah. Please, God, don't. <laughs> so let's see. Uh, okay. Hmm. Here's the line. Well, I don't want to say it reads limericky, but like it um, probably does now that you it, said it. Right. <laughs> so what she what the line is this one of the last verses. She says, if you're looking for a lover and you find someone you hate, if you stay with them forever, then I guess you found your fate. Oh, OK. <laughs> one more time. Let me hear one more game. If you're looking for a lover and you find someone you hate, if you stay with them forever, then I guess you found your fate. Holy shit. And it was just, I was like, I got a piece of this line. I was like, where's the rest of the line? And I was who, like, who sings this? This is the the Pierces, the two. I, I played videos of these two girls. They were supposed to play at, um I think, Mercury Lounge. And then, oh, the two women we were trying to see because they reminded us like 70s. Yes. Like mamas like, and papas. Yes, needs, oh, wait, were they the one that got lucky with that fucking song for, right, for um pretty little, little liars yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a locket in, in my, my pocket, pocket. right mm-hmm. i like them they were like uh they had some ethereal 70s vibes which i'm always into especially if the ladies so that's them yes i was What's, like oh, oh i need to add that to the playlist oh yeah no so guys we, we might be working <laughs> ain't no might we are working on several playlists uh, it's out of control it, out of control we are fans and lovers of music. I don't know if you could tell, but just a little bit. Yeah, all the time. We're like, you know what? This song fits for Ann Lister because if we're not thinking about the ends during the day, is it us? No. No, it's not. It's not. No. That Paul Rudd meme we put on the website in the intro when we're like, hey, it's us. It's Kansas and Terrence. <laughs> we talk about Gentleman Jack. And we have the Paul Rudd meme where it's like, uh, whoever thought you'd be here? Not me. <laughs> not me. <laughs> no. <laughs> Definitely not me. So, yeah, this is where we are. This is what's happening in life. If you guys want to Google those gals, you can because they're fun and entertaining. I love them. The pierces. So after we learn that Mariana not trying to be with anybody, she just wants to be by herself. We cut back to Ann Walker's bedroom at Udale House and she is sitting in the window seat looking out to sea. 
And this has to do with the surrealism part that we spent some time talking about in the last episode. But it says, Ann Walker sitting in a window seat looking out to see something compels her to turn and look into the room. She sees herself in the mirror, parentheses, a mirror attached to a chest of drawers. Struck by how pale and ill she looks, she goes and looks more closely at herself. Then we have the next scene being interior Anne in Mariana's room, Dover Street, and it reads, Anne comes into her room and pulls her coat on. She's angry and upset. She checks herself out in the mirror, a cursory glance, but something compels her to go and look at herself more closely. She doesn't look herself. Then we're back in Anne Walker's room where it reads, gazing at herself and finding herself suddenly tearful, Anne murmurs, don't leave me. And back in London, as Anne looks at herself, she feels a shiver go through her as though she heard Anne Walker's words. We linger on her for a moment, but then she becomes aware of Charles and Mariana bickering in the next room. Charles and Mariana are so injured in their bad relationship that arguing has become their chosen mode of communication and they've become oblivious to the bewildering effect that overhearing a domestic argument has on other people. And then we actually have the argument that they have that the lines were delivered by the thespians in the scene. I remember hearing some of it and it was just Charles bitching about, well, of course people noticed you weren't there, bitch. Like, you weren't there. You're <laughs> right. my fucking wife. Right. Someone's dead. And Mariana's like, I don't think it bothered anyone. He's like, but I'm literally telling you it bothered people. I'm literally telling you that a woman just lost her child who was my heir and people noticed. And of course, Anne is like, I'm not trying to hit his head, these head games, head reindeer games, head traumatics. I'm out of here. But here's an interesting line that Mariana evidently was supposed to deliver. I don't know. I'd have to re-listen to the scene to see if I can hear Lydia Leonard saying this. But after Charles protests about people being upset she wasn't there, Mariana's like, what did you tell them? I hope you didn't tell them I was ill. And Charles Lawton replies, well, I wasn't going to tell them you were off gallivanting in London. And she replies, gallivanting? Hardly. Anything but. So now they'll think I'm some kind of invalid. What is up with the lack of compassion and empathy for people who are suffering from either chronic illness in their biology or some sort of mental illness? Well, I guess those aren't understood yet, but this is bad. Lord. So rude. Which, again, all that does is say to me, even though it's off screen, how much more of a dick Mariana was saying for funny little friend. I already knew she was a dick, but more dickishness now. As... The script notes that the voices break the spell that Ann Lister suddenly found herself in. Excuse me, that alludes to her thinking about Ann Walker. It says Ann Lister suddenly feels more alone than ever. Tearful, bad-tempered. She grabs her hat and heads out of the room. And then we're back in Ann Walker's place. And uh, it says that she's weighed down by sadness. Eventually picks up the glass shard and just stares at it. Then we get that last scene of mm. Anne jaunting out and yelling at Eugenie and Thomas. And right. Eugenie tries to get a Where word in edgewise. And she's like, don't do that. Don't hit yourself. I can't handle any violence towards women. And yells at Thomas Beach to get the shit ready. We're going off to... <laughs> Excuse me. In the script, it says, we're going to... And then parentheses, she was on the cusp of saying Scotland. Scotland she she's... makes the choice in the moment not to. Ugh. Paris. It's, oh! it's like, follow her. <laughs> Does anyone have any water? <laughs> Parched. And, well, I was about to make a dirty joke, but, oh, Jen. So she leaves them to order the horses and does all that shit, walks away. And the only note they make alluding towards the fourth wall break is that we go with her and we look into her eyes, hurt, angry, determined to scorch the earth behind her and not come back. Well, that's a very analyster thing to do, so... Then, of course, we're back at the Udale house. Elizabeth is over there walking around. Oh, 
Actually, this is different. It's different in the script than how it shows in the show. It says Elizabeth walks along the corridor. So obviously we get a shot of Elizabeth before she's in the room and taps gently on Anne's door. No reply. Elizabeth lingers for a moment, then decides to go in. Then we have new scene heading and it says Anne Walker has slit one of her wrists and now she's trying to bleed out into her washing bowl. She looks ghastly pale. Elizabeth dives at her and pulls her wrist out of the bowl. Elizabeth Sutherland then screams no and Anne collapses. So that's very different. That's, that's so very different. Anne Walker was not trying to, because I'm like, what does that even look like? Is she just like squeezing her wrist? Like, come on, self. Right. Um, and then Elizabeth just diving like a goalie in a soccer game to save Anne Walker. I like the way it was played because um, it played to me that it wasn't, it wasn't, um, what do you call it? Um, premeditated by Ann Walker, which is definitely a way these things can happen where it's not yeah. premeditated. It's just a, a domino effects of things piling on top of you. And then suddenly something seems like a good idea because everything else feels like it's just stifling you. And so I like the way they played it and that Elizabeth just has to look at it because I mean, I don't know how you feel about this, but mm, objectively, symbolically, Elizabeth diving. Uh, She's not been she's not been on top of it. Right. So it's and like, so I like that she's just stunned and she looks like, oh my I god. I like that too, because then it's showing, okay, so maybe I shouldn't be so silently complicit in your misery and I should take a more uh stern and active approach and getting you reclaiming the agency on your behalf that right. you so deserve. You Actually, shouldn't be subjected to the to the the bullshit the whims and fuckery and the, the whims captain. of a fucking captain and his degenerate loser. That's a fake I signed Family up member. for, but you didn't. So, yeah. And actually, I wanted to, I forgot to mention this when we were watching and recapping. But um, now that we've finished this episode, I just want to draw your attention to what appears to me to be obvious framing differences and production differences between the overall juxtaposition of Ann Lister and Mariana and Ann Lister and Ann Walker. Since we've run the course of our Mariana scenes for season one, whether we are looking at episode one, when they are sleeping together at Shibden, episode seven that we just finished when they are in their respective hotels and inns and trying to be on the Amoroso but fighting and stuff. That the lighting, that the colors, the depiction all the way down to what Ann Lister is wearing is in total contrast to, say for instance, I'll call that episode Love of the Chaumière mm. when Anne is Ann Walker's in her pinkest most loveliest thirsty sleeves and she's like I don't care I just want you to know I don't care what anyone says about you that that scene remember when I was screaming about that yes. scene then I was like everything about it is bright and Walker's face is bright her dress is bright her sleeves are perky and Lister is in blue which is uncommon everything seems hopeful there's all this sun breaking into the room and Walker can look like a looks almost like an angel coming out to Ann Lister because she's like look at this bitch beaming and she's beaming with pride not shame these people are at her fucking door. The haters of Halifax are starting their bullshit that they started with Mariana. And Anne is completely girding herself. She's like, I am bracing for the shitty thing that's about to come out your mouth because I expect it. That's what's supposed to happen. Of course, of course, that's what's supposed to happen. And instead, Anne Walker's like, no, opposite. Everything about this room, everything about Cronest, everything about what's happening here is in opposition to what you experienced with Mariana. And then we get to goddamn Mariana and Anne in episode seven. And did you see how dark it was? And whatever that was, it I don't know if it was Black Swan Inn or whatever the other hotel oh, is the, in, um, in London. No, no, not London, because they're not 
It's not super dark in London. It's before they end up in London. But it's when she's like, the miseries, the agonies. It's extremely oh, dark. right. It is dark. Mm-hmm. And not only is it darkly lit, the textures, the colors, what Mariana is in. I mean, people have whole jobs and departments. And so I just assume that someone is taking care to use color theory and read into the production, the ways that a production can prop up a character and how they are. And Mariana, we don't see her in pinks, do we? We don't see her in yellows, bright yellows. We don't see her in bright colors. And so everything about her wardrobe, while it denotes a degree of money, it denotes a degree of status, it's not optimistic. It's not young. It's not carefree. And surely carefree is a way, is an interesting way to describe Anne Anne Walker. But when it comes to grubbles, I mean, in a a way, she's kind of carefree. She's like, let come what may. I will love you. I will love you too. Until my dying. (laughs) And she's like, even if I die from these grubbles. Even if I die from these grubbles, and come up May. And so I just feel like that was a really great thing done by Sally Wainwright and, of course, the other directors that hopped on, middle of the season, and all the production and crew that worked on there, that they were like, everything about what we shoot and do for Anne and Mariana has to contrast what we do for Anne and Anne because Anne and Anne are hope. Anne and Anne are the future. Anne and Anne will have problems, but there's possibility, and the possibilities are bright, versus Mariana, where it's like, the possibilities are dark. They're close-ended. They're repeated. It's it's repetition. We've been here before. It's old wounds. Scars are brown, usually, ish, potentially, mm, depending on your melanin. But yeah. it does. I just thought about that. I was like, I'm gonna take it, track it all the way back. But that's what I think is something that is done. I think until I learn otherwise, very deliberately in the show for Ann Walker and Mariana, and even certainly when we see. Anne Walker in Scotland, like she's not giving off the same gigantic sleeves of thirst vibes as she was giving off when she was in Halifax and hanging out. So I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but I thought I'd mention it. No, I think that that's a good, that's definitely a good thing to point out. But I mean, the energy from, even though, yes, they jumped into a union together, but it was mean and rough the last time. Oh, it's mean and rough this time. Oh, it's really rough. Oh, oh, this is, it's like... When you're, when you're parched and you're in an oasis and it's like, yes, it's, it's sandy dirt water, but you know what? I'm not dehydrated and dying to death, but it's like, oh, look at this wonderful fountain of, of, you know, spring water. And this is, oh, this is heavenly and it's quenching my everything. Oh, I'm choosing now to ignore this fountain of spring water to drink in this, uh, this sand pit of water. And it's like, you know, this just doesn't. It doesn't have that. I don't know what I used to see in this, but it's not. It's not doing it for me. It's almost like I've outgrown this. This just right. This won't. This won't do. So I'm gonna just <laughs> gonna leave this water to its uh, devices, and I'm gonna go back for for the thing I know I want. What you say makes sense, and that's why I just wanted to draw the parallel because just visually, you put those scenes against each other, and I feel like I've been waiting the whole series just to get to one of these juxtapositions because I knew it was happening back when we watched the episode there where I'm like, look at Ann Walker. Look at how she's responding. Look at her organic reaction to what it is here, and look at Mariana's organic, flippant response to the same thing. Look at Ann Lister's posturing. She starts both scenes low, like her head is down, ashamed. Like, she's like, this is right. I should be ashamed of this but and walker's the one that's like head up boo are you okay like i don't care about that shit like girl when are we going back to show me how <laughs> and meanwhile mariana's like yes miseries agonies girl what about me though you said you're miserable but what about me what about me think about what i had to suffer and just the whole physicality the body of it the fact that at the end of the scene 
and Lister has to go do stuff and she gives her a very tender, very sweet, very romantic kiss. And at the end with Mariana, she's like, I would like to, but I fucking can't. I fucking can't because what am I even doing? But let me lie to myself for five minutes more about, yeah, there's there's a chance here because I just don't want to deal with this, but there's really not. There's really fucking not. And so those are one of those little things that I appreciate that is just so freaking different because Ann Lister is in black and Mariana in her freaking dark sepia tones and Ann Walker was in bright, bright, bright. And mm-hmm. Ann Lister was in this gorgeous navy blue that, you know, by the way, we don't really see very often, ex- you know, except one of the other major times we see it is on their wedding day. Yeah. Excuse me. Sorry. Sorry. Excuse me. To come. Sorry. But, you know, we're, we're a long ways from there. You, yeah, I mean, we are. Oh, we are. We are. We haven't even reviewed the episode. But we just had to get you caught up because lovely listeners sending spoilers and things like that <laughs> <laughs> had you all fucked up. I was like, what is, is this? A, is this in the show? Uh, yeah, I know now that. But yeah, that did anything especially stick out to you? That's the end for Sally and the script notes for episode seven. Why have you brought that? Of Gentleman Jack. Oh, um, hopefully this was a meaty part one for you guys you already know that this is not the end of the he's drank too much yeah, there was the there, fuck he's there was lots of drink um um so i guess it's <laughs> what the fuck is going okay, on right me, all right so let me look at the road you're next <laughs> so where are where are we so we just looked at the runtime and it looks like it's maybe, it's definitely two hours for Shizzy. <laughs> sorry guys, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I lost it there sounding like a pterodactyl. But yeah, so this is ultimately the end of part motherfucking one of our historical nightcap for episode seven of Gentleman Jack. I feel like we should do a toast because the toasts will change, right? Because when we get I to first half of the diary entries, like I said, I, I, I'll give it a quick rundown so that people know what to look forward to. Where are my notes? Okay. So what do we have to look forward to? I have it called as the Aniana saga, mm-hmm. which was my ship name for them. Maybe there's something else people are using. I don't know. Let me know. Also dubbed Aniana. The Wonder Years. <laughs> Sorry. Wonder but it's, yeah, you, because I essentially start off in 1816. And that is basically where Helena Whitbread opens her book, The Secret Diaries of Miss Ann Lister. First publication. And... We essentially pick up around the time that Anne Lister and Anne Belcombe, Mariana's sister, are separating from the wedding party to return to Shibden and embark on more grumbles as far as Anne Lister is concerned. And uh, remember we did that group of confession and Ann Lister basically is like, listen, boo, I have the lady version of, of blue balls, blue clit. And so I need you to let me know. When you're going to stop fucking around and get on the grubble. And it's like, oh, okay. And Anne Belcombe was like, um, tomorrow? Because, <laughs> because Anne is then writing, very good kiss last night. Excellent kiss. And so that's 1816. And I basically try to set a little timeline for you. I'm like, here's Anne in these stages. This is her right after Mariana is married. She's on a honeymoon. And I get that there are customs and things that are to go on in British society. But how in the hell are you not setting your relationship up for incredible failure when you bring the bitch on your honeymoons, live in, stay in, sit in, whatever's happening with your sister, who clearly, because y'all all have the queer gene, can get on to the Amorosa as well. I don't fucking know. I don't know. It's a bad start. It's a bad fucking start. It is. 
And then we move to 1817, which is the year that Charles finds that motherfucking letter and things start to change for her and Mariana. In 1818, we see Anne obsessing a little bit over Miss Brown, but she's essentially just a hot gay mess. Oh. And then in 1819, we get some certain allowances and things said by Anne Lister about what she intends to do or what she wants her future to look like and makes it plain to her uncle that she wants Shibden. And then they actually have a huge, a huge time apart in... 1819. And they don't really see each other again till the end of the year, where Mariana, as you will see, makes some rude remarks about Anne's short hair. 1820, there are, I'll just say, grubble drama. I'm looking at my nose and I'm like, oh, that's, oh, that's grubble drama. And Mariana, like, Freddie, you're going to be faithful to me or what, Freddie? I know you out here grubbling, Freddie, but I'm your wife, Freddie. And well, I mean, <laughs> I'm sure we will be screaming and talking Ridiculous. about all those sentiments. In 21, there's still more gay ridiculousness and jaunting. And one thing of note is that Anne gives the code to Mary Valance, who I mentioned in the quadruple grubble of Langton Hall, when she's fucking around with Mary, who Tib was into. And this is also the year that our lovely baby gay Anne Walker chases down Anne Lista to ask for tea. And when we finally get to 1823, we will discuss Scarborough and Blackstone Edge, because this is when they go down. In addition to our moments of cold, there were flashes of light. <laughs> there were things I'd never do again, but... Oh, shit. Alexa, shut the hell up. Alexa, mind your business. Stop was, it. That was rude. There were nights, nights of endless, endless pleasure. Love. When you whisper, that's delicious. No, but really, Anne was a hot fool for Mariana and her dirty talk. And I suppose, hey... If there was a bitch in Halifax that had that, it was definitely her. So that all happened in that year. And it's like the beginning of things that will forever change their relationship, like the STI, Scarborough, Blackstone Edge. But the reason why I start so early is that I feel there were little things, little clues, little things that were chipping away at the shitty ass foundation that was there because the foundation is on Sacrament with Charles and that's never going to fucking work. And by the time we get to 1824, we've got major rifts between Anne and Isabella and Mariana. And she starts to transition into wanting to travel and learn and be off over there. And because of the things I think we'll read in these entries, she becomes more fixated on status and wealth and trying to raise her station which ultimately I think is how people perceive her, which is clearly a thing. It is an Achilles. It is something she is nervous about. It is something that affects her self-esteem. In 1824, and takes off with Cordingly to Paris um, in the summer, late summer. And she's gone until the spring of the following year. And during that time of 1824 to 25 is the whole Mrs. Barlow, Paris jaunt and all these things where she seems to learn quite a bit about herself still and her sexual desires while fucking around on Mariana. And then putting poor do the dolefuls because when we were covering Mrs. Barlow, we were covering those early and Lister seductions of, oh no, I am asleep. We have not talked about how long their relationship continues and get to the points of like her reading a letter from Mariana to Mrs. Barlow, which just on the surface, you're like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That I don't sounds know. Sounds messy. Oh, it's messy. Ann Lister was the, I thought Ann Lister was messy in motherfucking Langton Hall and she is messy to be sure. But I think she was the messiest with Mrs. Barlow because not only is she careless with Mrs. Barlow's feelings and I will argue that it is partly the impact of Mariana's carelessness with her feelings that she pushes this out towards other women but um after miss barlow done mariana meets miss barlow all i'm gonna say is Anne takes mariana to paris and does not tell mrs barlow she coming you're gonna love the amount of petty that mrs barlow was on that's all that's all because huh. she got shit to say she's basically rude but we want people to be rude to mariana so <laughs> it's fine and Anne got the nerve to be like oh my god you know like gulf streets or shit it's like girl but you did 
you the reason why we you was here. promising the moon and the stars to this hoe that's why i think where ann plays possum for herself in her diary she's like i don't know why these girls turning up like this so that happens and there's a lot of drama and then in 1826 which is sort of where i close out these early entries her uncle dies so she officially inherits shibden and we can go over her thought process there and also this incident we have seen referenced a number of times in the script now where she leaves charles what does that look like right. what happens there what is said is anyone at fault what's going on we will discuss all that and more in the diary entry segment amen mm-hmm. i could just swirl them with the gin motherfucker i mean <laughs> You, did you guys hear how loud he was when we started this shit? And I was like, amen. Here, here. Yeah, that's, yeah. I know. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Well, Sally Wainwright, thank you for another, another fantastic fucking script. So I guess that wraps it up for this part one. Oh, we're back to gin intermissions because we yeah. drank a lot of gin. A lot of gin was drinking. It's empty. It looks like we're going to have to open up this other gin bottle for the next uh, session. Uh, oh, the vapor infused. Yeah, uh, the vapor infused. <laughs> Oh, Ooh. fuck yeah. It's still pretty. So shall we toast to the end of this gentle mission? Oh, yes. I'm going to toast to self-love. Self-love. Because um, it really is the best, the best form of love. Uh, you don't really want to feel like you're doing way too much for not enough. And sometimes you have to remove yourself from a situation when you feel that way. Luckily, one of our ends definitely executed that. Um, was like, you know what? This is a lot. Nope. I don't want to do this anymore. So that's my toast. Self-love. Yes. Oh, wow. I'll toast a self-love too, but incurring the cross kind because too many women, <laughs> too many women potentially do not have this stress reducer in their lives that they could use. And that is unfortunate. And I say today, if you have to take a piece of advice, ladies, take a piece of Ann Lister's motherfucking advice and incur a cross today. And if you so dare, if you dare incur one for four hours, I don't know if you have an Ann Walker in your life. I'm just saying that this is what Ann Lister said. This is what she did. Not me. I think it's really nice that you were very like you know cordial and respectful <laughs> with your fucking toast and i'm just like bad women <laughs> no i mean there's, there's... i also want to toast too sorry i just remembered that i have the entries outlined about Anne's fantasies with lower class girls and how she envisions herself there and how i wish she'd have had a little extra jaunt in her step and a little less snobbishness to actually do that thing but yeah. hey hey we all know that the poor bitches are having more grubble fun because they've got less Right. Hang-ups about right. who the fuck they can grab a grubble with. So, anyway. Was that a toast? It's my toast. Toast to grubbles and self-love through health love. Tough, that doesn't... Wait, touch love? So if, <laughs> so, if the lower tiers are having more... I think so. ...with less hang-ups... I think so. Does that mean that complaints are rampant? Oh, man! I was just talking to someone about super gonorrhea. Good Lord. I probably... I'm angry. I was angry. At, at super... I no. was angry. I was angry. And I really feel like from the data that they were showing from some of the red states in the center where they're like, fuck Planned Parenthood, fuck clinics, we don't care, is where the STIs have gone to some sort of like, <laughs> like next level. Right. right. That there is super gonorrhea. Right. And the CDC is like, please, please use protection. They were also like, why are we writing about measles again? We, I thought we were done with this. Whatever. I, we not. Are we done with the flat earth, bitch? I thought we was done in the year 1400. Right, but I look see. at where we are. Look at where we are. But going backwards is, um, it's not good. It's unfortunate. What was, were you grabbing that bottle? Don't grab any bottles. I... But we can just, you can cheer with that big giant empty uh, gunpowder Irish gin and I will cheers with this full. Sapphire. Ooh. 
that was a jaunty I clink. Like that, right? <laughs> I'm sure you guys can tell those were very large bottles clinked together. And don't judge us. See you soon. Bye. Regency-era lesbians. Oh, my God.